Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Yen Schiffel. And that is Steve Jones. And Jens, this is episode 150. 150, can you believe it? That means you've been here on the podcast for roughly 50 episodes. There were a couple where A couple I think I missed out on. Touring other sides of the planet. Right, because I just didn't happen to be around. Uh, that reminds me, we almost did a podcast uh, when I was in Greece. Almost. I remember. I was at a bar you with were. this funky music, and you were like, we got a pod now, but for some reason we couldn't do it. And well, I like the music or something, but then you're, uh, I don't know, you, you backed out or something, you, had, you went, had to go back to get your charger, and then when you went back to get your charger, never heard from you again. You're like, nope, uh, the wife wrapped me in or something yeah. like that. So. Yeah, I think that was a time where, um, I don't know if she wasn't feeling well or something, but I, I was like, oh, well, damn it. <laughs> I don't think the podcast is going to happen. Gotta and it did care of the wife. Yeah. It didn't. That would have been fun, though. It was right on the beach. Um, um, it was one of the Greek islands of Mykonos or something. I don't know. Yes. You've, you've, uh, you've traveled a lot during the time of the podcast, Jens. I have. Yeah. I haven't done any traveling recently. Well, that's not true. <laughs> I was in Alaska. You were yeah. in Alaska. <laughs> right. But, Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one of these days we're going to have to do like a like an international podcast. That okay. sounds like fun. But this is episode number one fifty. This is a big one. This is, and uh, yeah, we've. I mean, we've had a lot of great content uh, over the uh, the past one hundred fifty episodes. But namely, since the, the chapter has gone to the second chapter for for you know the past fifty episodes, you being the second chapter, right? Right. Right. Uh, <laughs> so let's let's talk for a second before we get into the content and. I, I I can't wait though actually to tell who we have on the program today. We've got some big names. We do, we do. So. Big names, and at Concert Pipeline, like we've said before, when we have these uh, well-rounded episodes like one five zero, we we uh, we play it big. We do, and so uh, this episode of Concert Pipeline is featuring the one, the only foreigner. Um, and I had the, the chance to talk to Tom Gimble uh, from Foreigner, who is also an Aerosmith for like seven years. So we'll get into that in just a little bit. Uh, but I really want to give a big thank you to Foreigner for being on, uh, on the 150th episode of Concert Pipeline. That means a lot to us. Um, we don't take it for granted at all. Uh, we have some other great gems to share with you as well, including uh, uh, concert footage from Greg Kinn, as well as Huey Lewis in the news. We'll talk about that concert. Uh, we're gonna we're hunker down. We're gonna be here for a little bit. We have a lot of great stuff to cover. But I, first, before we get into all that, I really want to hear about your experience from the the past fifty episodes. Let's start from. Uh, your first episode. <laughs> We're not going to go through each one. You expect me to remember my first episode? I do, because it was actually exactly where you're sitting right now uh, on this patio. We did this live on your patio? We we did. We had Brendan James on the podcast. Oh, no shit. Episode 100. That was the first one? It was the transition episode, because Joe was in that podcast. He did, That's he didn't, right. He wasn't in the in- interview, but he recorded the podcast, the, the studio part of the podcast afterwards, and he's like, I got a surprise for you for episode 100 yeah and, i remember and, and dropped the gauntlet that he was not going to be on the podcast anymore, anymore. <laughs> right but, right right yeah he was kind of waiting 
and maybe for episode 100, you know, like we'd like to announce big things right. on well-rounded episode numbers. And Joe's like, hey, I'm out. See you later. Pretty much. Here, Jens is going to take over. I'm like, oh, what? And I had, yeah, I had no knowledge about that leading up to the, the episode. But yeah. uh, but that was hilarious. I mean, yeah. um, you know, here I am thinking I'm not going to remember that, but that was huge. Yeah. And that um, for many different reasons, That's not, not just for Joe's announcement, but for um, the live concert that we recorded here on this very patio there was a first time we did this uh, did that sort of thing on the you know in, yeah. in that sort of setting i remember it was raining it was. uh which is oh my god it was just a, a perfect setup but what a great performance also from brendan james yeah. right like absolutely in, he's a really cool guy also we had him again on the podcast later uh after that and um and yeah he's uh, he's great on the keyboard. He has an incredible voice, and that was your first interview. That was that was my first interview, and it was my first um, interview with a live performance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, so what have you? Let's let's start there. What have you learned about interviewing since then, Jens? Oh, I've learned a great many things about interviewing. Great, great, great many things. You know, interviewing is like a dance. You know. Uh, that's probably the biggest thing, whether you interview solo or whether you interview, you know, with a co-host. Um, you've got to know what your interview questions are and you've got to bounce them, uh, you know, back and forth with, uh, the person that you're interviewing with. Um, and you've got to know what to, you've got to know what to run with if you just decide to, you know, go tangential on some other topic. Absolutely. Yeah. And so this being the 150th episode, there's actually been, I think one interview only one interview on this podcast that I didn't do, um, and um, and that was Surf and James, but um, but I did go meet up with them afterwards, and, you know, at a later time, and and record performance with them, and and I've seen them. I mean, them being a Napa band, I've actually seen them a lot, and be, kind of become friends with them uh, a little bit since then, even though I didn't actually interview them, you know, on, on the podcast. So. Um, so that's the only interview I haven't done. So thinking back, I mean, if we say roughly there's been 150 bands that I've interviewed on this podcast, it's pretty crazy, right? That's crazy to think about. And what, what span of time are we talking here? Well, this podcast started way back when in January of uh, 2014. Which really wasn't that long ago. No, no. That's like three, that's younger than Game of Thrones, man. Whoa! Yeah, I mean, that's three years old. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, we're toddler staged, but but pretty much do it every week, give or take. I mean, we have uh, off weeks here and there, but we've roughly one a week since 2014, with a you know with a couple breaks here and there, and uh, um, and keep at it. We you know whether we have a big band, small band, we're bringing the content from bands that are coming through the Bay Area, and um, and we don't repeat a ton of bands we have there a lot been of originals a couple, couple. Um, bands that i really like and stuff and yeah stuff. just bands that happen to come around again that yeah. were worth interviewing again you know yeah um but yeah it's been mostly original content um uh each time so what are, what are some of the other milestones for you jens some of the other podcasts that really stand out for me um you know when i think about all the people we've interviewed um concerts we've gone to uh we had a fantastic jazz artist blues jazz artist in oakland yep and you don't remember his name no i don't remember anyone's <laughs> name so no no offense to 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 the person i'm speaking about um wonderful guy uh real talent but not enough to <laughs> i can't even remember the venue man it's uh that jazz place in oakland what the hell is the name of it 
Uh, that was the. It's where I. It's, it's the place where my wife and I had our first date, and I can't even remember. Ah, uh, you don't even remember. <laughs> I know it was at Jack London Square. Yeah, and it was. Uh, I always forget the name Yoshi's. of this place. Yoshi's. Yoshi's. Thank you. Yay. Okay. Yeah, I know. I remember the Yoshi's. Um, yeah. That's all I add on <laughs> See that <laughs> this is no reflection of how impressed I was by this artist. Yeah. Um no, I mean Quite they're, impressed. They're different uh They're just different There's things to 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 so, di- so many different memories. I mean that, you know, the experience interviewing that individual is so much different than, you know, having Brendan James here on the uh on the patio. Yeah. Um, so what was it about that that blues artist that that stood out for you? And I'm I'm trying to pull up his name for you. Uh, so I'm not the only one that doesn't remember. <laughs> I, I don't remember, but I, I know who you're talking about. And, uh, you know, it's it was his. He was, this guy was just so. That was just so real. You know, he was just so. God, what am I trying to say? It was the alligator boots. The alligator boots guy, yes, right. That's, that's and we even talked about his alligator boots. We did. Yeah. What am I trying to say? He was so soulful, like generally like an old soul type guy. Um, he'd been influenced by so many different things, um, and you could really hear it in his music. You know, it was he wasn't just any artist. He was just one of these people that could just move you and, and impact you you know in, in, in just 10 or 15 minutes yeah yeah okay well we're gonna move on from that because I uh, can't load my mail and figure out who it was but, uh, but uh, our mystery guest yeah but we'll take your word for it so um, any other memorable moments you wanna you wanna talk about oh I think um, podcasting in the car has been a lot of fun and so those are good times. <laughs> those are always good times. Yeah, podcasting in the car. There was a time that we did that with Joe. I think that was before I became a regular on the show. Oh, Jack's mannequin. Was, yes, yeah, coming out from Jack's San Francisco. Mannequin. Yeah, where you peed like on the street. Yes, <laughs> I wasn't the only one, but okay, <laughs> we both did. <laughs> I remember you being the only one that peed on the street no, before no, we came it, back home. It was both of us actually. I peed on the street. No, yeah, Joe and I did. Joe, you and Joe. Okay, yeah. All yes, right. on, yes, on the same wall. <laughs> it had, <laughs> it had to wall. happen. I think there were there were several drinks that needed to be extinguished. Did you write your name on the wall? I don't think I did. Uh, all but, right, but yeah. Yeah, sorry, okay. San Francisco, but. Some people just have to pee on the wall. It has to happen sometimes. So, yes. Um, yeah. So okay. So some memorable times. I mean, what about for you? Uh, well, one of my favorites that I go back to was the the Bowie celebration. Oh my yeah. God! How could I have forgotten about that? I don't know. You that must there. have been the. You you were there for part of it. You the, weren't there for the whole thing. I was there for the You're, whole thing, just not for the just pre not for the pre, which is pre part, thing. A lot of. The memorable parts for me because it, that's when a lot of the interviews happened mm. was before the, the show and right. meeting the incredible people and just I mean you were you were out in the crowd really and we hung out with you and everything uh, me being you know Marlo helped me um, with the interviews and actually helped make the interview with Gary Oldman happen mm-hmm. which was really cool to talk to him about mm. being friends with Bowie and um, and their relationship and everything and um, and the other people, I mean, just being a part of that whole, ex- I mean, it was a quite an experience for, for me. It was so It much. was huge. I can't even yeah. believe I forgot about it. You know, now that you brought it up, I'm like, whoa. I don't know. That, was, that must have been the highlight 
in the last 50 it's, episodes. That's, you know, one of the, probably one of the best concerts I've been to ever. I mean, it was it just... It was three hours of nonstop yeah. tribute. Yeah, yeah, it didn't end. Well, you, like 75 artists or something, you know, just and, rotating. And for me, it was like five and a half because they were, they were sound checking, but it wasn't really a sound check. It was like a full performance where they were just cycling through, right. practicing together because they didn't... I mean, there was Southern California and Northern California, and they hadn't had a chance to you know, perform together. So it was just mm. kind of going through a lot of the set that led up until pretty much the show started and mm. then it just kept going and yeah. it was, it was incredible. Yeah. It was incredible. So. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some big names there, you know, um, not just Gary Oldman, but we had, um, mm, talking heads Which guy. We did have talking heads guy and we had, uh, uh, Holly Palmer from right. who was in David Bowie's band. Yeah, we had Joe Sumner who is Sting, Sting Sun, and, yep. uh, and some others as well. Um, and and just getting to you know, I mean, be all around the venue, be backstage with them, kind of seeing them getting ready, and uh, and just hanging out and being a, a part of that. Like I felt mm. like I was a part of something that was bigger than me, which mm. is really cool, and not something yeah. you always get as an in an interview. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, also pre episode 100 just i mean uh, one of those kind of bigger than life experiences was that i kind of feel like i'm a part was a part of something bigger was when i interviewed eddie money um like i you know i interviewed him but then i like hung out backstage and on the side of the stage while he was performing and okay he's been around forever he's and he was really washed up let's be honest but there were people there that were part of his crew and it's been you know there was i mean this this lady that was like i mean had uh I don't know. I forget what I mean, but she was a groupie like originally, but then she became like part of his family. And there was a journalist who had covered him back in the seventies or or whenever. Right. And was still kind of there for, for it. Right. And so getting to see these people that were part of his crew and just be backstage and kind of be part, I felt like that was another one where I felt like I was part of it. Right. Um, which was just an outsider looking in being part of that experience was really cool. Um, yeah, yeah, amazing. So, so concert pipeline has been fun uh, <laughs> for the past uh, uh, couple of years that we've been we've been doing this, and um, and uh, and so it's been a great opportunity, and we'll, I look forward to whatever you know the future holds with the podcast. Um, Here's to another amazing fifty years, uh, fifty years, <laughs> fifty episodes going forward. Fifty, uh, fifty more years, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We'll be in our wheelchairs. All right, episode uh, number ten thousand five hundred. Joe and I have talked about doing episode seventy five hundred or something, sitting on the porch doing LSD in our sixties exactly. or something like. <laughs> what episode is this? Yeah, right. I don't know, man. Yeah, yeah, it's ridiculous, but but it's just I mean this medium affords me the ability to do this sort of thing is and. Not be it a hardship of work or anything like that and uh and just be able to do it with you know little maintenance where you know when i used to do this as a tv show back in the day i mm. I, I became a perfectionist and it became a lot of work and mm. and i mean and this is this is perfect i still get to do it and I have a lot of fun so um like this interview with foreigner that we're about to get into uh so like i like i mentioned so i had the chance to uh, interview uh, Tom Gimbel from Foreigner. Um, he's the master of all trades. He plays all like all the instruments and 
and we talked about it uh, and it was a great conversation we talked i mean we'll, we'll get into it right now um i, I don't want to spoil it let's get into the interview with uh tom gimbal from foreigner here it is hello hey is this tom yeah, that's Jonesy. Hey, it's Jonesy. Uh, how are you doing, Tom? Hey, <laughs> doing great, Steve. How are you? Doing, doing awesome. Doing awesome. Now, uh, you guys are uh, in Michigan right now, right? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna play uh, what used to be called Pine Knob tomorrow night. Excellent, excellent. How's the tour going so far? Fantastic. It just keeps getting better. Uh, the crowds are getting bigger. I think tomorrow night sold out. Uh, last night was sold out. We're starting to get some of these sellouts, and it is just magnificent to see these three bands at the top of their form and <laughs> in summer peak action. Right now, uh, th- you, the three bands, obviously, f- of course, Foreigner. Uh, we're talking Cheap Trick and Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience. So, how did the tour come together? Yeah. I think it was uh, the fact that we know Jason. He was in Foreigner for about three years and was very instrumental in uh, reforming the band in 2004. Uh, Jason really urged him to do that. And so he's, he's part of our family. You know, we love him. Uh, his Led Zeppelin experience is just something to see. So that was a natural fit. And then Cheap Trick has a long history with Foreigner also. They toured together uh, with Foreigner in 1976 or 77 when they both were sort of new bands. So there's a long history there, and Mick Jones and Rick Nielsen are, are good friends, very much kindred spirits, and so uh, it's great to see everybody all out here together like a big happy family. Yeah, for sure. And so talking about Jason Bonham and be- him being uh, in Foreigner as well, uh, I, I read that uh, you actually used to play tennis with Jason. <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> Oh, I can't believe you saw that. Yeah, man, he is so funny. We were playing doubles against Mick Jones and Kelly Hansen, our singer. And uh, we were doing pretty well, but but they were getting kind of upset because we were doing well. So I don't know if you've ever played doubles. You have these little meetings, like in the middle, you know, secret hushed meetings. And we were just like, uh, okay, uh, they're getting kind of mad. Maybe we better let them win. It got pretty competitive, huh? <laughs> Yes, yes, incredibly competitive. And we did we were just out there to have fun and laugh and, and so the guys started getting serious. We're like, Okay, let them win. Yeah, so <laughs> so there were no bets on this. It was it was friendly but it was it was it had the really Exactly. Yeah, it's not like golf where you bet money and then you, you don't care what happens. You just want them win, 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 win. Yeah. But uh yeah, with my golf game that only happens once in a while. Oh, you're not playing golf as oh, oh the competitive side, or you're not you play you still play exactly. golf a lot, right? Yeah, yeah. I was playing a lot for a while there when the band wasn't doing much. But since we've been so busy, I my golf game has got a little rusty. I I can't play for big money, high stakes gambling bets anymore. I gotta go out at sunset and just have a good time. Yeah, for sure. So, are you still teaching golf? Uh, I I know you do that and teach that in music oh, when you right, have time. Yeah. I, I, I like to help people, anybody that is looking for, you know, a little assistance in their in their golf misery. I'm always happy to help. So we got a lot of guys out here that golf, and uh, I try to help as much as I can. But no, there's no time to give music lessons or golf lessons 
we're on the road 10 and a half months of the year. And that other six weeks, we put our feet up and watch TV. Yeah. No, you guys don't stop, right? I mean, this is the no. 40th anniversary. And you think that by 40th anniversary, you guys uh, would slow down a little bit? Nope, not for 40. <laughs> The opposite, yeah, it's the opposite. We're, we we cancel it out, and there's no end in sight. Those are names of our albums. Cancel it out, no end in sight. Yeah, yeah. I saw you guys last year actually at the Marin Fair. I think it was. Uh, you, oh, cool. When you guys played that, it was. I mean, it was such an incredible show. You guys bring it. You, the, the the energy is incredible. Yeah, we have a good time, and, and that's no pretending. That's all very real. Yeah, yeah. So so tell me. Uh, uh, I mean, the album you have out right now, uh, 40 hits from 40 years. Tell me kind of about how that came together. I think the idea was to put something together that would show um, some of the legacy that has happened over four decades. It's hard to imagine four 10-year stretches there, but it is four decades. And so that was the idea behind it, to put together 40 songs to go with the 40 years. Like one song for every year. But uh, there's a lot of great stuff on there, and uh, a couple of new songs that Mick wrote, and uh, so it was just nice to have something that could coincide with this tour. Absolutely. Now, going going back a ways, I mean, I want to kind of explore your musical uh, uh, experience, because you play, in, sure. you're kind of a master of all domains, and you started out playing uh, the drums as a, a kid. Tell me kind of about picking up the, the drums and, uh, and the experience with that. Oh, man. I love that instrument so much. I still do today. I have a nice drum set collection, and I play once in a while, but... What happened was a lot of us kids saw the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And when you're a tiny little kid, the guitar is, looks kind of complicated, but the drums, there's Ringo, he's swinging his head around, he's just smashing the drums. You know, as a little six-year-old, you think, I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> yeah, so you had these like classrooms full of kids that wanted to be drummers. And I was one of them. I was leading the charge. I was the lead drummer all through uh, grade school and middle school. And, and starting into high school, I was still a drummer. But I had picked up the guitar at seventh, uh, seventh grade. We, had a, we wanted to have a band, but of course we had nothing but drummers, so that wasn't going to work. Yeah. And so I couldn't wait to get my hands on a guitar. I wanted to strum the guitar and sing like Elvis or John Lennon or Johnny Cash. Those were kind of my singing heroes, and they always were strumming a guitar and singing at the same time. So that's how I got into it, and we started a band, of course, and I got to play guitar and sing. And uh, as much as I love the drums, I just, I thought I'm gonna have to do the guitar and sing. And I just led to other instruments from there. I wanted to make notes, you know, to create melodies and chords uh, on top of rhythms. But having that foundation of uh, percussion and drumming, I really think is a good, good, good thing to have. And uh, so many of the people I meet started out as drummers, Steven Tyler, Lou Graham, uh, and now Robin Zander, talking to him in Cheap Trick, he, yeah. he told me, drums is my first instrument too, and I had a clarinet, because we were talking about the saxophone and the reeds. He said, yeah, man, I play clarinet. <laughs> it was so cool. And Cheap Trick, you know, that's part of everyone's soundscape, you know, of their, of their uh, childhood. 
So uh, I still love him, and I have a special affinity for drummers. Our drummer, Chris Frazier, uh, he was with Whitesnake and Steve Vai and Eddie Money. This guy can really play. He's a drummer's drummer. Yeah. So I'm always trying to talk to him about drums and sticks and cymbals and everything that goes with it, even pedals. Uh, so I love that drummer speak. <laughs> and it will always be near and dear to my heart. For sure. And you and you really have a passion for singing, too. Like, did, Is that something that just kind of came naturally to you? Or did you were you uh, trained? Yeah. Did you take lessons? I didn't, no, I didn't take lessons until much later in adult life. I uh, took some lessons, but uh, yeah, it's just one of those things that you're right, it is very natural. You just start singing along with records, and before you know it, you're singing in the school play, you know, and yeah. the choir. I got the first paying job, I think I was in seventh grade, and they hired us to be in the choir on Sundays. And I thought, this is much better than cutting the grass, you know, for my dad, trying to earn two dollars. <laughs> Four weeks worth of cutting grass right. for two dollars. <laughs> oh, here's your fifty cents. Thanks, Dad. So this uh, choir director said we really need singers for church, and he picked some of the stronger singers out of the choir. And I thought, okay, now we're now we're getting somewhere. And that was when I realized how much I like singing, <laughs> paying yeah. the bills. Yeah, and you mentioned your your dad. I mean, I know your family is, uh, I mean, big into music. Everybody's involved in in music. Uh, how, uh, and you kind of have a foundation stemming back to like Motown as being one of your big influences. How how big uh, uh -huh. of an influence is your were your parents and uh, and your dad specifically in you wanting to kind of get into music? They were massive. Uh, we were actually, for the most part, not allowed to watch TV when we were little kids. Uh, so my mom would put on records, and we would just stare at the speaker and listen to those records, maybe dance around the room and act out the songs. So that musical imagination started very young. And uh, my dad and my mom both loved jazz. Dad liked to listen to Ramsey Lewis, and he would dance around to that music. He would dance like Jackie Gleason and listen to Ramsey Lewis. And my mom loved Ahmad Jabal. And all the Broadway shows, she loved jazz records and Judy Garland and all that good stuff. And so there was a lot of music in the house. Both my sisters played classical piano. My brother took up the trumpet, and he was really good until he got braces. And then Ooh. he never wanted to play <laughs> that trumpet again. And a little two-year hiatus turned out to be permanent. But he still picks it up and wails a couple high notes once in a while. So, uh, you know, I had ideas of us being like the Brecker brothers, but uh, you know, if it hadn't been for those braces, who knows, it might have happened. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of music in the house, and they were listening to music, too. I, I, when you're a little kid, a lot of the records that you hear are from your brothers and sisters. So I was lucky. I had older brothers and sisters. Always they were getting albums, and uh, I got to listen to their music. That's my oldest sister got me started with Jethro Tull. So that's, uh, it's nice to be in, a, in an environment where there's a lot of music being played. It just gets in, seeps inside your soul. Yeah. Do you still jam with your siblings or would, is it like, oh, Tom, you know, like you're showing them up or something at this point? We used to. I used to do an occasional duet. I would take the flute and my sister would play classical piano and we could play duets. But uh, that hasn't happened in a long time. I think when we see each other now, we're just happy to... Uh, put up our feet and maybe have a cold beverage. 
That's the way to do or it. Or a hot beverage. Well, yeah, my older sister loves coffee, so we'll have a little coffee party. Ah, oh, nice, nice. <laughs> so with yeah. with all the instruments that you you play, violin isn't one that you've kind of really kind of knocked out of the park, from what I what I understand. What's kind of what, what's a, what's a struggle there? Where 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 do you land on the violin? It's so hard, Steve. That little violin neck, there's no frets on it. There's no lines. You don't know where you're supposed to put your finger. It's really hard. Uh, we had one in the house because I think my dad played it when he was a kid. But uh, maybe it was in disrepair. Maybe it just wasn't meant to be. That thing, I just had no connection with it. I did like to strum it like a guitar. That part I liked. I would pretend it was a ukulele. But uh, between the bow and the resin and the the fretboard, the fretless neck on that thing. Yeah, there was just no way. You have to start when you're a young kid and have really good lessons. I like the instruments you can just pick up and go. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> instant gratification. Yeah, I go to I, the school of instant gratification, IGU, Instant Gratification University. Yeah, and so um, kind of moving forward from your childhood, one of your kind of big breaks is, of course, working with uh, Aerosmith, touring with them uh, a lot. And I, yeah. one thing that I like that uh, that I kind of heard about you is that you, I mean, you had so many great experiences with Steven Tyler. You you said you'd laugh until your stomach hurts, really. And that's right. So it's what, true. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about that experience, kind of, uh, you know, in with the band and also kind of uh -huh. beyond beyond that with Steven. How uh, how was that yeah. relationship? Well, everything in that band starts with Steven. You know, he really did kind of put the thing together along with Joe Perry. And uh, so Joe was the first one to call me for the audition. And he said, you know, we're getting all these tapes in the mail. And when you get a tape, you don't know what you're getting. This was before the days of videos. <laughs> so he said, uh, would you mind playing the piano over the phone for me while we're talking? And I said, sure. So I got on the piano and did my best barrel house boogie woogie. You know, that's a piano thing. And uh, he loved it. So I, I did end up sending them a tape so they could hear me sing. And Stephen, like that, I went up to audition in Vancouver. And Stephen, I, I was picturing this big audition with the whole band and some record company executives and all that. Never happened. It was just Stephen and Joe. And uh, when I went into the room, Stephen had a drum set there. He was playing the drums. No one else was around. I had a saxophone. So my first audition was me on sax and Stephen on drums. Absolutely the farthest thing, and the farthest thing from my imagination. Right. And then uh, we, we sort of started singing together, and our voices blended really well. And he was showing me the parts on keyboards to dream on, and we were singing uh, all those wonderful two-part harmonies, songs like You're My Angel, and uh, early songs like that, in uh, Pump Had Janie's Got a Gun. So a lot of harmonizing. And what we would do is uh, warm-up exercises, which I don't know if you've ever heard vocal warm-up exercises. It's yeah. a lot of ga 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 that sort of stuff. And I would play the keyboards, and... Uh, I would make up crazy chords to go on along with these vocal exercises. So a lot of the laughter came from that, but we would tell stories in between our uh, vocal warm-up exercises and just have a good time doing it. You know, those guys really enjoy what they do to this day. We had a chance to see them. Uh, we were actually on the bill with them in Germany 
couple months ago. Uh, so I got a chance to say hi and catch up a little bit. And there's just a lot of really good energy there. I think it comes from people that love music with all their heart and they're following their passion after, in Aerosmith's case, more than four decades, just yeah. slightly over four decades. So uh, it's great to see that. They're still going strong. They still sound as, as amazing as ever. So uh, I think we're kindred spirits, and we're all sort of bound together by this mutual love of the art form. Yeah, and was it pretty instantaneous for you with with Aerosmith? I mean, when you're kind of in there auditioning, like, and uh, and Steven Tyler's on the drums, like you said, was it did it was it a surreal feeling, or were you pretty comfortable from the get go? I was uh, I was comfortable because Steven has such a good time with whatever he's doing. He's just not that serious, you know. He likes to laugh and joke around and kid around, so it, it didn't feel like a lot of pressure. And of course, the circumstance was so bizarre. He was on the drums and he was singing these kind of bebop blues riffs. He'd go, bebop, give me that, give me that. And I would answer with the saxophone. And that was my first audition. And then after that, we got into some singing and stuff. It was just so much fun. Yes, to answer your question, it was a natural fit. It worked right out of the gate. Uh, We had a great time. And he said, do you have all your equipment? Are you ready to go? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, we just met, but yes, actually. I didn't bring it with me, but you know, the tour starts in four weeks or whatever. We had a lot of getting ready to do. Yeah. And so when, you, yeah. when you're kind of thrown into it that quickly, like, I mean, did you, how much of the Aerosmith catalog did you already know, and how much was it just like getting in the weeds and, and getting down to business? I I had been doing a lot of homework, getting ready to go, learning a lot of their songs, singing a lot of their songs, and playing piano on a lot of their songs. But the new album at that time was called Pump, and it hadn't been released yet. So I got an advanced copy, and there was, yeah, I had to learn Love in an Elevator, and songs like that, which you couldn't learn because they weren't out yet. So yeah, I had to... just knuckle down, buckle down, nose to the grindstone, do some hard, hard work to prep, to prepare for the tour. Uh, so that's kind of part of any tour. But in this instance, I was learning was essentially new material. And uh, boy, that's a good album too. I was happy to do so. Oh yeah, yeah. Now uh, transitioning back into uh, Foreigner, so it was. Uh, I know there were a couple of calls and recommendations that were made, but I guess it was Mick Jones's brother that kind of hooked you up in, into Foreigner yeah. a bit, right? Yeah, that's true. He's the guy that called me initially, Kevin Jones, one of the nicest people you'll ever meet, and he was so cool. He just said, "Is it true you play guitar, keyboards, sax, and sing?" I said, yeah, it's true. He goes, well, that's what we're looking for. And I said, you called the right number. And it was it was history from there, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is the right place to call. If that's what you need, you got me. Yeah. Uh, so you, uh, last year you also did a, uh, an acoustic tour. Is that something you guys uh, kind of bring in regularly? And uh, and also how do you transform the uh the songs to, uh, to strip them down in that uh, in that format. Well, yes, it is something that we do from time to time. Uh, it's a nice nice change of pace in a way. 
the, the songs, they work so well in the acoustic format that uh, it just kind of naturally fits. You grab the acoustic guitar, some percussion instruments, and I get to play the flute a little bit. And uh, we just, we started off doing one or two songs, and then we did a few concerts that way. Not sure what to expect. I think it was in uh, Calgary. And uh, 5,000 people came out, and they absolutely loved the acoustic show. So I remember Mick Jones kind of looking at us, sort of <laughs> pleasantly bewildered, if that's a phrase. Yeah. <laughs> and we just thought, whoa, we got to do more of this, and uh, we should do an album also. So it was really decided right there on the spot, based on the audience uh, reaction. We thought it would just be a little thing and we'd try out, but the, the um, tremendous response that we've gotten has inspired us to keep doing it. So yeah, there'll be a little portion almost every year that um, we do some acoustic shows, and that's something we look forward to. It's a real change of pace, and I love talking to the audience because they like that setting uh, in some ways because maybe they become part of it. If they're clapping or singing, it really becomes part of it. And I tell them, you're our drum section. You're the percussion. You're the rhythm section. And we need you to clap and hoot and holler. And that becomes the drum. So uh, it's a lot of fun for everyone. Yeah. And you mentioned kind of the audiences. Obviously, audience uh, participation is a big part of Foreigner and uh, and them continuing to come back year after year and kind of bring their kids and their kids' kids into it at this point now, right? So what? Yeah. if you can share kind of a, a memorable experience from a fan that uh, that's, that's kind of stuck with you uh, uh, over your time with, with Foreigner. Sure. Well, there's a lot of age groups that are showing up now. We're spanning, spanning the spectrum, um, even starting with um, tiny kids, four, six-year-olds. Uh, you might have heard the story. The guy, this little guy was on his dad's shoulders, and he had like a sort of a crew cut, and he was shaking his fist. He knew the words to the songs, I'm going to guess around six or seven years old. And uh, he had a sign that said, Juice Box Hero. Yeah. So we like never it. forgot that. Uh, you know, there's probably some commercialization that could be done with that, but right. we never pursued it. We just remembered it fondly, seeing this guy, and he's like shaking his fist, you know, making the horn, something of the devil, and he's singing Juice Box Hero. It's marvelous, marvelous to see. Uh, so that's one that comes to mind. But honestly, just to have all those different generations with us, going all the way up to our contemporaries. It's uh, it's really great to see that. And I think this music spans the ages. You know, it spans the test of time and also appeals to a lot of different age groups. Oh, for sure. And uh, and speaking of ages, I mean, you guys had three songs in Rock of Ages and uh, and that, I mean, I think did, a, I mean, had a big impact. I mean, not just on the movie, but on your, your band as well. It kind of is a give and take. How, how did that come about? And tell me about the experience with that. Yes, I think uh, what typically happens is uh, the movies will approach the publishers to see if they can license uh, the rights to that song and, and use it in the movie. So Mick Jones, of course, is in charge of, of that, and uh, he has a marvelous publisher. Uh, so I'm sure that that's how that came together. But it has, in some ways, opened up a lot of people's ears to this music. 
and maybe reminded them, you know, a lot of the songs we kind of know, but that to hear them again in a, in a, in a new movie like that, it, uh, it's just like a refresher, you know, it's like throwing a fresh coat of paint on a car and sending it down the freeway at 150 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And 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 you guys were um, well, uh, you were in Wayne's World too, also, right? I know that was something you were pretty proud of. Oh, sure. That that was back in the Aerosmith days. Yeah, and the Aerosmith, of course. Yeah. It was a riot. And just seeing Mike Myers, we we'd sort of gotten to know him a little bit from doing the uh, Saturday Night Live skit, and he was hosting one time, and we did Mike Myers. So there was a kind of a connection there. And Dana Carvey also, of course, just hysterical. It was a it was a great time for Saturday Night Live. They had Chris Farley and everything, so it was it was going full steam ahead. And they approached Aerosmith to be in Wayne's World too, so it was a live concert setting, and we were really playing. It was real, and they came in and, and filmed this live concert. So uh, uh, it was fun to just kind of see yourself in, in a movie like that. It was it was quite a kick. Yeah, yeah, I bet your parents were pretty proud then, huh? Sure, I'm not sure they knew what Wayne's World was, or is. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, they would have been more proud if I did the Duke Ellington. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> not their genre, not their movies, right? Exactly, like, oh, really? You're going to work with... Uh, <laughs> That's nice, son. Chow oh, Pacey or Glenn Miller? Or, yeah, that, <laughs> oh, that would be impressive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so t uh, so um, kind of working around, you're going to be, uh, I'm, I'm based in Napa, California, by the way, so you've got a couple of uh, Bay Area shows coming up. Oh, cool. um, you got the yeah. yeah the show out in the Sacramento area September 1st um, at the Toyota Amphitheater and then uh, Shoreline in, in Mountain View. So, um, yes. Yeah, so what... Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, so tell me about your experience in the in the Bay Area, and um, and are there venues that you like to go to uh, see concerts? At? Do you ever get a chance to kind of break away from uh, and just go see a, a band you like? It's very rare uh, because we spend so much time in concert venues. I mean, it's pretty rare that we'll we'll kind of venture out and go to a show. But uh, I do remember going to the Rose Bowl in Pasadena right. to see Pink Floyd. Oh wow! Uh, so that's that. Yeah, those are the kind of things. A special event that uh, we might sneak out for once in a while. But to play up north there and Mountain View and those shows, it's always one of our favorite things. Uh, especially this year, it'll be kind of winding down on the last third of the tour. Yeah. So we're going to be delighted. <laughs> so nice playing outdoors up there. It's just you know, win, 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 win scenario. Oh, for sure. And and so something that I, I want to ask you, if it's unique about the um, the Sacramento show or if it's something you guys have kind of been doing a little bit on the tour, is you're having the Lincoln High School Choir um, join you and sing uh, I Want to Know What Love Is. Um, so yeah. Is that something yeah, that's, that's unique a, for that show? How did that, tell me a little bit about that. It's a wonderful tradition. It goes all the way back to the beginning of the song. There's a gospel choir on there. And... Uh, Recently, we've had different choirs come up, but Nick decided that maybe we could have some schools come up, and in return, we would make a donation to the music program, because so many of the music programs are being taken away from these kids, and it's, it's just so unfair. You know, it's not like they did anything wrong. 
they weren't drinking champagne out of the tubas or anything like that. Yeah. Uh, they just right. show up for school one day and they say, hand in your instruments, band's been canceled, and they take away everything, and they shut down the music department. They didn't do anything wrong. So it's so unfair. And for a lot of these kids, music, for me, was the best part of school. You know? And yeah. I just sometimes, there's a real value there, Steve. It's a real value. Uh, so we hate to see that taken away. We're trying to help along with the Grammy Foundation. And so the choir comes up, and we make a donation to the program, and hopefully they get some experience singing in front of a huge crowd. And so it's a really good time, and, and we get such a charge out of it, such good energy. It really is a lift for us yeah, and hopefully everyone. Yeah. So tell me a little bit more about your work with the Grammy Foundation. What what you guys do there? How long you guys have been, um, you know, supporting them as well? It's got to go back at least five years now. We did a concert at the Grammy Museum, uh, downtown Los Angeles, and uh, our management team is is in constant contact with them. The Grammy Foundation, uh, if you look at their website, they do a thing where they they have a contest for schools. And whoever wins the contest gets a grant, uh, a nice-sized grant. Uh, so we're, we're trying to just raise awareness about the situation along with them. That's, that's what they do, and it's kind of what we do. And it's just basically we're, in, we're working together to, to try and get the, the news out about these music uh, programs being taken away so unfairly. Yeah, well, that's, I mean, that's really great that you, you know, have that focus on, you know, on the little guys also who are, I mean, in, it, like you're saying, I mean, that was such a big part of you and your childhood. You want to be able to give back and continue to support those that, uh, that oh, you know, don't have yeah. that that chance anymore, right? Very much so. Very much so. There's a burning desire to try and let other people have that same opportunity. It's just to be fair. Yeah. It's only fair. I'm going to have to get moving pretty soon here, Steve. It's another call's coming in sounds at noon, our time. But. Well, it sounds good. Well, yeah, Tom, thanks for taking the time today, and we look forward to... Absolute pleasure. Yeah, we look forward yeah. to seeing you when you get out to the Bay Area. Thanks. Sounds good. Thank you for your help, and uh, we're looking forward to it. Cool. Tom, can you do a promo for the podcast real quick, and then I know you got to go. Um, yeah. Hi, this is Tom Gimble from Foreigner, and you're listening to The Concert Pipeline. Perfect. Thank Tom. I look forward to seeing you at the show. Uh, so yeah, have a awesome. great tour up until uh, then, and I'll see you soon. Okay. Right on, Josie. See you soon. <laughs> All right. Bye. Take care. Bye. That was the interview with Tom Gimbel of Foreigner fame, which is really awesome. Um, like I, uh, I guess I didn't mention yet, but they're going to be playing a couple shows in the Bay Area, um, and. Uh, and you should definitely get your tickets because it's going to be um, it's good. They put on an awesome show. It's it's incredible. Um, and uh, I, I mean, I, I mentioned it. I think in the last podcast, but their their live set is like they still have it years later and put on a freaking rock show. Um, and uh, and so they have two Bay Area dates. They're going to be playing at uh, Shoreline Amphitheater in Mountain View playing Shoreline Amphitheater on uh, September 2nd, 
Uh, and then uh, the Toyota Amphitheater, uh, which is um, that's the in Wheatland, which is out in Marysville area, past Sacramento. Uh, that's uh, on September 1st. And that's a show that we're, uh, we're going to be covering. Uh, they're playing with Cheap Trick and Jason Bonham's Led Zeppelin experience. Nice. Cheap Trick is another great band. Been around for a long time yeah, as well. Yeah, also been around for a really long time. Yeah, so we talked about that a little bit. We talked about the um, his time in Aerosmith playing with Steven Tyler, which is, I mean, it's just a great conversation. Lots of good stories from uh, from this interview. So thank you, thanks uh, for being on the on the program today, Tom. Uh, really cool. And you have a, a callback from uh, a name that we couldn't remember from our our uh, favorite moments of the first uh, of your fifty episodes. Joe Lewis Walker, I apologize right now for uh, not remembering your name right away. <laughs> Had to look it up. Uh, no hard feelings. Uh, it was a great experience meeting you and listening to your, uh, to your music. Um, so out of the last 50 episodes, uh, uh, you know, that interview and experience with you was um, outstanding. Yeah. Um, so a lot of fun. You know what else was a lot of fun, Jens? Before you get into that, I just also have another disclaimer to make. I'm embarrassed, uh, now that we're talking about this, that I actually have never seen Foreigner live, and I've never seen Aerosmith live. These are things you should be embarrassed about, especially having you know, recently talked about a concert that you went to that you seeked out tickets to go to from a meat-wearing lady okay. named Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exact. My point exactly. How does one go... From you know being around for a while and somehow seeing Lady Gaga before, one has not the chance. I'm sure I had many chances to see. <laughs> uh, <laughs> never had the opportunity, right? Yeah, I've had many opportunities. I just for some reason never did go see Aerosmith. Uh, never did go see Foreigner, um, and I don't know why I haven't seen Foreigner. Um, Aerosmith probably because I didn't want to spend that much money on a concert, um, but. But you were cool doing it for Gaga. So. Yeah, so here I'm at Gaga feeling really bad about all these other bands that I should yeah. have seen years before this. <laughs> You're like, I regret not having seen Madonna, so I went and saw Gaga. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is more or less the same thing right. to a lot of people. So. But uh, but yeah, couldn't make time for Foreigner or Aerosmith, real rock artists who put on a hell of a show. Yeah. yeah. I mean, first time I saw Aerosmith, I've seen them a couple of times, um, and saw them... Um, where was it? It was probably Concord. Uh, probably in Concord, I want to say. And whew, must have been 2001-ish, 2001-2002 time frame, right after graduating high school, right around there. And um, and we snuck down to, like, the fourth row. And no one – I mean, we, we sat right on the aisle, and no one – you know claim those seats which is really crazy right uh and uh and steven tyler was doing this thing like and there was a rope and he swung out over the crowd like on nice. the rope so he swung right over right over our heads mm. and in it and everything and that's cool yeah and it was uh i mean really cool performance um the the next time i saw them was several years later as a while later so it was during their honking on bobo tour um which is their blues album um on Bobo, I'm trying to see what year that was. Um, and the first one was just push play, I want to say, mm. and then the, it was honking on Bobo, which was 2004 time where they where they played with uh, Kiss, and Kiss was great. Kiss was awesome. Uh, Aerosmith is blues. 
wasn't crazy about it. <coughs> not not my dream. Yeah. yeah no, didn't didn't do it for me. Yeah, that's kind of like uh, you know I never really paid attention much to that album by them. Um, but it kind of reminds me of some of the country stuff that the Rolling Stones, you know, did or tried to do that was never really a big, huge turn on for me. Yeah. Uh, but did have the chance to see Rolling Stones. That was a fantastic concert. Yeah, I want, I want to see the hits, right? So, yeah, Just Press probably came out in 2001, so it had to have been around then, right? Um, within the ne- within that year or so. So, uh, so I've seen them a couple times, but I haven't seen them in, I mean, in a while, right? So that's like over, I mean, that's over a decade. It's been a bit. But, um, but they put on a good show, and like I said, Foreigner last year saw them at um, Marin County Fair um, behind your house, and and it was just such an incredible set. So I'm looking forward to seeing them again September 1st uh, in Sacramento area. Uh, it will be really good. Speaking of shows that uh, I saw in the Sacramento area, Jens, let's talk about the next one. Let's talk about it. Yes. So this is Greg Kinn. And Huey Lewis in the news. And Greg Kinn, who we had on the program probably just a couple months ago at this point. Another great interview. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was, um, I think we determined the last interview that you did uh, for Concert Pipeline before the, the, the most recent couple. I'm still trying to figure out if that's correct. Because we were, we were in San Francisco not too long ago, right at that church. It, we did an interview on the, count, in the, on the balcony. Right, right, with 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 John, with, with, with um, John Palmer from yeah, yeah. It's uh, but but was that the most recent? That you I don't remember if I that was the most recent. I don't know. I'm, Whatever, it doesn't matter. I'm checking back. But Huey Lewis. John was John Courage, uh, episode one thirty, and um, yeah, Greg Kinn was episode one thirty nine. So so Greg Kinn was the last one. I think it was. So. All right. So it's been a little bit though. Um, yeah, Greg Ken, great guy. It was uh, a lot of fun to talk to him. Oh, uh, he's got stories. We he can... has so many stories. This guy, you could talk to him forever. Yeah, one funny story after the next, and um, uh, still to this day, fantastic musician. Absolutely. So, um, so he opened the show for Huey Lewis in the News, um, and this was at Thunder Valley Casino um, in Lincoln, California, which. Um, my friend Jay, who you know um, as well, um, but don't think you've kept up with. But um, <laughs> but we uh, we all work together. Um, my friend Jay lives like five minutes away from there, so um, took him to the show and crashed at his place. So I this is one of those rare concerts where I don't have to worry about driving home afterwards, and I have a place to stay. That's and nice. I didn't work the next day, yeah. nor did I have kids right right away. I mean, I had to get the kids in the morning or whatever. But, right. Um, but I I didn't you know I'm gonna wake up at six o'clock whether I'm up late or not. Right. It, it, six o'clock or earlier six o'clock actually is sleeping in um for for me so um so i'm gonna be up then anyway so um so we went to the show i mean we we went up to the uh the the table where the uh where will call is right uh, our passes weren't there yet so we went into the casino um and um and we had a jack and coke or two <laughs> uh, well, after that it all gets very fuzzy <laughs> all right and the casino and they were five dollar drinks and you're in a casino they're getting their money you know elsewhere, yeah, right? You're, right you're pulling those levers you're putting mm. on the table you're yeah. you know that the drinks are just bonus sugar money for yeah. them i think right yeah. so so 
you know so it was a it was a good drink for five dollars i'll tell you that <laughs> like i was like okay this is hitting the spot right <laughs> so let's get another uh All right. because, let's uh you start to get loose you start to place okay. the slots or blackjack or whatever and that's how you lose your money because the uh the tickets still weren't there when we checked after having one drink so we had another and so wait a minute. So you can get into the casino, right? But yeah, we couldn't get a, it's an outdoor venue. It so. was an outdoor venue. Yeah. See that that's what was confusing to me because mm-hmm. I've been to um, Thunder Valley several times uh, because my wife used to play blackjack. So we would go out there uh, during football season and I'd like watch a game uh, in the bar area where they've got all the TVs. Yeah. And she would play blackjack and we'd hang out for a couple hours. Yeah. Um, and they had a stage in the middle of the casino. In the middle of the casino, we'll talk, which we'll get really back to that didn't stage. have a whole yeah. lot of room for like a huge audience. That's so not I'm where trying to, yeah, I'm trying to imagine you there with Huey Lewis and everybody. I'm like, no, you can't even put more than like 50 people there. We'll get back to that stage. Right. That stage is <laughs> the end of the story. Uh, <laughs> uh, so, but. Uh, Huey Lewis was playing outside of the, th- the. If you're looking at Thunder Valley, it's over to the right. There's a, a little amphitheater there. Uh, where, Is that new? I don't remember ever seeing I that. Don't know. I've never been there. It's like so, behind the parking lot. Kind of, yeah, it's to the right of the parking lot, kind of. Um, hmm. And so, uh, so yeah, so we have a couple drinks, go in, um, and we had the press passes, and um, and no one, we we. Did our due diligence. We asked some people. We asked, uh, you know, one of the security guys, you know, guys who we were told was in charge, kind of, or something. No one really knew where the press passes, you know, sat or whatever, because it's seating. It's a seated show. So we make our own seats in the third row. Uh, we chose our own seats again. You know, <laughs> back to the Aerosmith and kind of <laughs> right, know, choosing right. our own. This is a theme of, for you. So right? I, I think you have some experience with this. You act like you own the place. Yeah. And, you know, and so we sat there, and like Aerosmith, no one ever came for the seeds. <laughs> and, Amazing! And so these, you were passless the whole time. And these were—I mean, we had our passes, but we didn't have ticket. The passes didn't come with tickets, like oh, seated, I see. you know, seating tickets. So, uh, so we had the the, the media passes, and um, and uh, and so we sat in the third row. And these tickets were not cheap, also for the good seats. Like if you look online, I think like a one seventy-five each or something, right? Like. You know, pretty penny. But um, so we sat up uh, close and uh, and act like we're in the place. I I recorded some video of Greg Kinn, uh, of his set from you know I went in the photo pass uh, photo pit and took some photos and videos, which we'll share on our Facebook page at Concert Pipeline Pod. There you go. Um, and uh, so we'll check. Some, you can definitely check some of that out as well as Huey Lewis. Um, and um, and. And it was it was a, such a great show. Greg Kinn, such a rock star. I mean, that guy's been around for for a while. He's he can put on a good show. He was a great opener for Huey Lewis. He played a um, uh, a great set, a really cool set. It was fun to see him live, uh, especially after having talked to him. So we're we're gonna interrupt my story. We're gonna play a song from Greg Kinn here, and this is one of the song he, songs he played. And this is uh, Madison Avenue Man. Here it is. <laughs>
That was Madison Avenue Man from Greg Kinn uh, from his set at uh, uh, Thunder Valley Casino in Lincoln, California. Uh, and so continuing on, Greg Kinn, like I said, opened for Huey Lewis, um, and, uh, and we were sitting really close. And, you know, just to take a step back and take us out of the story a little bit, I always have – so on my key ring, I have uh, a set of earplugs – um, that they, they're really good. I mean, they're, they're cool. They, they, I feel like they're protecting my hearing. Right. And, and I bring them out at the concert, but we took an Uber to the show. And, uh, and so I left my keys at Jay's house and, and so I didn't have the earplug. So, and we were third row. So it was actually really loud. That, okay. So your ears are ringing at this point? Uh, uh, you know, a little. That's uh, that's just a side note, really. I mean, it's fine. It, I managed. The, I think the number of drinks that I had offset my worrying for my hearing. So, <laughs> you didn't so notice the pain till we, later? We, we had some more drinks. I mean, we had a, a drink when we got into the venue. Uh, we had a drink done at, uh, at the seat. I remember, you know, one of the ladies with a tray come came around and jay bought that round and then um and then another drink when we got back to the casino afterwards and uh, and everything so i think probably like six drinks total which is and these are you know hard alcohol drinks drinks. yeah Yeah. i mean i i don't drink a lot of hard alcohol like that so suffice it to say i do you remember the entire evening do you remember getting home i mean part of it yeah yeah, a little. Like which part? <laughs> getting in the the car for the Uber, yeah. Uh, do you remember getting out of the Uber? I don't know if I remember that. I remember. Do you remember like falling asleep? I remember laughing hysterically at something with Jay, and I don't remember what it was. But do you remember like no. falling asleep uh, on the I couch cr- or wherever no. you fell asleep? Uh, they had a spare bedroom, and I crashed like right away at, you know, when I got uh, into that thing. But uh, well, then you know it was a good night. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was absolutely a good night. So. Uh, and so uh, Huey Lewis, he played. I mean, he came up next, uh, and uh, and he played a, a really cool set, right? I mean, I'd, I've never had the chance to uh, see Huey Lewis live, but but this show was. Uh, I mean, it was a lot of fun, and it's and so like I'd listened to a lot of Huey leading up to the the concert, and and you. He's one of those artists that's been around for so long, but you don't really realize how many hits he has, mm-hmm. right? A little so, bit like Foreigner, you know? Maybe you recognize one or two songs, but then when you look at the catalog, it's like, whoa, no way. Right, right, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, just so many hits after hit after hit, and um, and I, uh, and we did per- Periscope one song of Huey Lewis, so you can check that out at Concert Pipeline um, if you want to check that. I don't remember having periscoped it to be honest but uh, but it did happen so the um, memory loss happened before the uber apparently right right <laughs> <laughs> yeah but he but his set was uh, his set was awesome he opened with uh, the heart of rock and roll uh and i'm pretty sure you'll be able to see video of that at uh, concert pipeline's facebook page which is concert pipeline pod great job <laughs> rolls off the tongue uh, rolls off the tongue and now okay i'm just gonna like put something in your face so there was a time not too long ago where i told you i wasn't able to get any video from a floggy molly concert and i was really bummed about it because i was really looking yeah. forward to taking some video of the last flogging molly show at uh-huh. oakland um and i was really depressed for days that i didn't have any good content to give you only to find out 
that I actually did take video and I just had no memory of it. So thank you for sharing my experience recently uh-huh. in periscoping something that you don't remember periscoping. Yeah, but I called it out on the pod that, that it exists. So it, I, you know, I, I knew of its existence pre-pod. Which is uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you didn't give me enough time. You should have given me like three t- three days or something. Right. Okay. To figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll go with that. Sure. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Of course. Uh, he. I mean, in the encore, he played, um, you know, a, a song which we're we're gonna listen to here in in just a second. Uh, but, uh, but really, just getting to see someone with. Uh, who's been around that long that experience and i mean the fans were really excited it it was a really incredible song um so we're gonna we're gonna play the first song of his encore which is uh the power of love the power of love here it is i'm a professional i know what you want you want another new song Well, this one's kind of new. It's only 30 years. That's kind of new for us. What can I tell you? Who knew? When we wrote and recorded this song, that we'd have to play it every damn night of our lives. This one's for you, Lincoln, California!
party keep going we should have an 80s party we should uh go back to the very first episode and uh make a collection um on apple music or something of all the 80s bands that uh have been interviewed on the podcast on the podcast and get together and uh have just a nice collection of all that wonderful 80s music how many 80s bands have we had on the podcast it's uh, well we have huey lewis and foreigner we do and we had the romantics on. Yeah, that's recent. Recently as well. Mm-hmm. Yes. I don't know any more than that. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but we must have more than there's, that. There's, there's got to be. be a lot more. Yeah, there's got to be, I'm sure. So we'll go. We'll start there, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, so that was The Power of Love from Huey Lewis. And, uh, and so the uh, show was great. It ended around 10 o'clock at night, and the story continues on. We, uh, we went back into the casino along with a lot of other people and i had we hadn't gambled up until then and i haven't gambled in a casino in maybe a decade i mean i just don't right i don't yeah. go to casinos i don't have any mm. you know but if when in rome do as the romans do mm. i thought you were talking about the band you went in rome was actually in the <laughs> casino performing <laughs> yes and uh, <laughs> Well, we're talking about... They're an 80s band, I think. They are. It's so funny. When in Rome, I actually saw the lead singer. He pretty much did karaoke to his own song. Uh, at, uh, Was he any good? It, not really. But uh, but he did with their one single or whatever it was. What what was their single? Um, I think they only had one. They only had one. But but he did that song. Like It was at the uh, 10th anniversary uh and uh, it was at the 10th, 10th anniversary uh, for Napoleon Dynamite. Oh. Uh, like the 10th anniversary screening of it. Uh-huh. And, um... And uh, and he, he did... He came out, and there was no band or anything, but he just, like, sang to, like, the backing track. So it was pretty much him doing karaoke uh, <laughs> to his, his song, which is The Promise? Is this the Yeah, only? that's it. Yep. It's, how does that go? I don't even remember. Like, I don't remember. Hold on. We're gonna have to skip a lot of this. I'm not listening. To oh yeah. Oh right on. When you need a friend. La 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 la. Yeah. Something something the end. I know you'll be there. Promise. Yeah, that's it. When in Rome. I don't know any more of their stuff. That's they, it. That's so they couldn't afford to bring the whole band out. <laughs> but, but he came and did, did his song pretty much karaoke, right? That's funny. Uh, I don't know. Sorry. Side tangent. But yeah. Uh, so we went in the casino. Do as I, the Romans do. That, that's what you were saying. Do as the Romans do. And uh, and so I didn't have any cash. So I put in, you know, you hit the ATM for four bucks. and, uh, and That's like the fees for that. It's is four, more four than, bucks. Yeah. is yeah, the fee. Yeah. yeah and... Um, and I, I got out 40 just in case, but, uh, because you don't want to go back and do, have mm. to do it again. But, um, but I only spent 20, 
Um, although there was peer pressure to, to hit a blackjack table, but I did a, a slot machine and just went dunk, 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 you know, just until it was gone, which didn't take more than three minutes. It feels like like <laughs> it was like thirty seconds. I it bet. was a five cent slot machine, but then towards the end, it feels like it's it was going quicker. Like I don't know, they had upped my ante or something like that, and I was like, well, let's see this to the end, right? Like here it is. Here's my twenty four dollars. Right. It would have been more exciting to have just w- yeah watched your money burn if you had I, taken a lighter to a 20. I know. I, <laughs> I would have enjoyed the three Jack and Cokes I would have gotten from that bet much more, right? Um, with That's my too bad that at least you didn't win four bucks to get the ATM fee back. I know. Yeah, I didn't end up with anything. But um, but we did that. And so, yeah, we and we had, yeah, did have another drink maybe. Um, and I'll tell you. Maybe, ya, definitely. I was, you know, I, I was not all there (laughs) like but uh luckily not driving right so uh we're going through and there's back to what you mentioned that stage in the middle of thunder valley right there's a stage there and some musicians playing and i can't tell you what band i can't tell you what it sounded like i can't tell you anything but i can tell you that jay pointed out that there was the the guitarist from huey lewis was standing like right there um you know and um and i guess he took a was taking a couple pictures with a couple people or whatever and um and he in the during the show he was wearing a white shirt but at that point he was wearing a black shirt and so i didn't even recognize you know i was not there there was a costume change <laughs> yes <apparently>. exactly <laughs> and uh but somehow got a uh a selfie with him and jay <laughs> which which is just like okay take a picture with us okay and then we continued on sort of, not even really knowing who i was taking a picture with but it was like that you know, that was funny sort of, sort of thing so and this but this guy could shred he was like he reminded me of joe satriani mm. like he was g- good on the guitar like yeah he's solid solid guy so um so yeah so that was winding out the night for for huey lewis and the news it was that's exciting stuff cool yeah memorable evening for sure so nice 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 yeah well Um, i'm i'm happy that uh steve you remember most of the night uh and for those moments you did not remember um they ended up being equally as exciting absolutely we'll play one more song from huey at the end of the, the podcast how's that yeah all right all right, carrying on. We are about to move into our next segment of Concert Pipeline, episode 150. Yens, what segment is this? Music news. All right, so we each have a couple of stories for you here today. Um, and... We're, I think we're both going to start with a pretty rough story, like a pretty out there kind of concert experience story. We both have, have one of those from, from we what do. I understand. We do. The little, I think they're both a little bit on the outrageous side. Yes, and you're going to have to turn your microphone to you a little bit. So I have to talk in this thing? I know, right? Pretty Who crazy. Who does that? And apparently not you. <laughs> um, so my story... Is about a man and a woman who were stabbed at a rancid and dropkick Murphy show. Yes. What? Yeah. Suspect has been arrested after a man and woman were, were stabbed during a fight at a rancid and dropkick Murphy's concert in Chicago on Tuesday night, uh, August 8th. How rancid was it? It was pretty rancid. Uh, they occur, the stabbings occurred during a fight that broke out in the bar area of Huntington Bank Pavilion and uh, then reportedly continued in the concert space at, 
uh, in, in the evening. Victims were a 29-year-old man who suffered knife wounds to the face and neck, and had a 34-year-old woman who uh, and a 34-year-old woman who was stabbed in her abdomen. They were reportedly in stable condition in Chicago's Northwestern Memorial Hospital after receiving treatment. The incident did not cause the concert to be canceled or delayed, uh, with a witness telling the paper that there was an area condoned off, but uh, few realized what had taken place. This is another one of those ones, Jens, like we talked about um, a couple podcasts ago with, like, Green Day, where there is... Like someone fell from the freaking sky right. or something, right? And <laughs> yeah. and died, and they're like, "Oh, why didn't Green Day stop playing?" Uh, because they never fucking knew that they it never happened. knew, right? Right? Yeah, like, and that's the one of these things about communication, right? It's like they they had no way of knowing. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there are channels for for that that can make that happen. Like, but you know, I guess if it doesn't happen right in front of you, you know, like the show must go on. Right. Yeah. I mean. It must be weird for a band to, you know, hear about things like this after the fact. Yeah, what you know? do you do? Because then, because with social media, like, everybody expects you to have a response. Everybody expects, like, you know, everybody expects, like, empathy and sincerity and, uh, and you know, and uh, some reaction of some sort. But if you weren't privy to this information, uh, what are you supposed to do? And... Um, but it's just I'm sorry my neighbor is backing down the driveway did they just did your neighbor <laughs> just drive down the driveway to get the mail and then they drove uh, backwards all the she, way back she may have this is because there's no place you can turn around it's a really long driveway it's a long driveway it's a tenth of a mile long and so they drove all the way backwards and it, she, she, they would just walk and get the mail it's like <laughs> not that hot outside she's, she's so she's so antisocial though like she doesn't talk to us like i mean we'll be out right next to her car and like waving as she's going down the path no, head straight on blinders like she's you know, we had to stand right in front of her to introduce ourselves to her, and uh, and she admitted to being incognito. <laughs> like, well, that would explain why she drives to the mail and back in case she, in case she accidentally runs into somebody I she has know. to talk to. She can just roll the windows up and so, take off. It's so crazy, man. It's so crazy. Man. That's crazy. Yeah, what can you, what can you do? But yeah. Anyway, what were we talking about? We were talking about the people getting stabbed and killed and. Oh and yeah. So what do you do as a band? You know, yeah. and there's yeah. You were talking about like, um, uh, you know, uh, people have these expectations on social media. It's like, oh, what a heartless band. They didn't even do anything for these people. They just kept on playing, and all all that cares about their music. You know, but you got to take a step back and look at the big picture. You know, this. These concerts are loud. You can't have eyes on everything. Um, and I mean, if someone gets stabbed, does the show end for nine thousand people? Really? Like, I mean, do we have to ruin nine thousand people's evening? Let's be let's be heartless here for a second, yeah. but just kind of be real. There's a lot of money that's put into these shows, and you know, if we can kind of isolate the incident a little bit, take it off to the side, yeah. handle it that's separate from the. Uh, from the main issue. I understand if, like, the Paris bombings sort of things, there's gunshots and mm. everything going crazy. Okay. You have an yeah. Aria Grand yeah. thing, you know. But, if it's, but yeah. if it's a stabbing, you know, we we have paramedics on site. We have Rock Med who's going to be supporting it uh, and be able to take the person to the hospital. Does the show have to stop? Mm. Is that insensitive? I've fallen down many times in a mosh pit, and the shows never stop for me, man. You've lost a shoe on multiple occasions. Uh, shoes, glasses, glasses. Yeah. whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't know. I may be I insensitive, get no sympathy. but uh, if, it, if someone dies, I get it. Okay. 
I guess maybe that's the, the point, but for stabbing, um, I, I, I say the show goes on. I wouldn't be surprised if, if, if people just didn't know. I mean, yeah. somebody falls down, people fall down at concerts, you know, they, if it's mosh related or not mosh related, people pass out, there's drinking and drugs involved, you know, you kind of get dragged out. But if you get stabbed, I mean, there's like a trail of fucking blood, right? Yeah. You're going to think that, Okay, sirens and paramedics and stuff might stop a show like that, but I don't know. What do I know? Apparently nothing. Who knows? But yeah, show goes on. Um, what's your story, Jens? Oh yes, I've got a great story about uh, public urination at concerts. And that's the way to do it. Yeah, I mean, if you wanna, if you wanna, you know, be on the news, this is what you do. You whip it out, and you 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 know, you uh, shower your fellow fans at, Met- at Metallica concerts. <laughs> this is the deal. So, Metallica fan arrested for allegedly urinating on concert goers. This happened in Albuquerque, New Mexico. So, the Albuquerque, New Mexico man faces disorderly conduct and indecent exposure charges after allegedly urinating on a family of. Three at a Metallica concert in Glendale, Arizona. I mean, that guy had some drinks. He was full to the brim. Like, he was... <laughs> yeah, exactly. This happened on August 4th. This guy must have just been bursting, you know? Like, oh, I just gotta pee. And yeah. he realizes he's peeing on a... Or maybe not realizing he's peeing on a family of three. Right. Um, that's crazy stuff. So, 12... 12- News reports Arizona Department of Public Safety troopers arrested Daniel Francis Daddio. I, I love this guy's name, by the way, because like, hey, Daddio, after he pisses on you, right? Like, <laughs> Mr. Daddio, did you piss on these three people? Right. I am pronouncing that correctly, right? You Daddio? Are. You are. It's yeah. not Dado? 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 Dado. Daddio, okay, 44. This guy's 44. So Friday night... During the show at the University of Phoenix Stadium was part of the band's summer North American leg of their World Wired tour in support of 2016's Hardwired to Self-Destruct. The victim, these are victims. People people that get pissed on are victims. (laughs) Okay, so the the victim family, including a 10-year-old little girl... um, her father and his wife told police they felt warm liquid washing over their backs and legs during the event. Okay, I can just say at least it wasn't on their chests right. and legs, right? So the little 10-year-old girl probably wasn't traumatized because she p- hoped to God didn't see <laughs> the actual member pissing on her, right? Okay, hopefully not. Hopefully not. So maybe she just thought it was tea or coffee or warm yeah. milk or whatever. She want mama's milk? <laughs> mama's milk is pissing on her back. You think she... So, you're, so you, don't, you think she's not going to need therapy over this situation? I think she probably might not need therapy because she didn't visually see what was happening. She just felt warm... A warm liquid that just no. tastes, smelled like piss. Still to this day doesn't know what happened because she's 10 and has no idea. She's right? 10 and she's not going to remember. Okay, anyway, so uh, according to court documents, the father said he turned around and saw Daddy-O. Daddy-O! 
<laughs> Dude, I can't get over this. He saw Daddio had exposed himself, and when he confronted the man, Daddio reportedly shrugged. At what point do you confront the man, by the way? Is this while While he's happening? pissing? Yes. Like, you want to be careful, because if you confront Daddio, he might just, like, move to the side and right. piss in your face. Because Daddio does what Daddio does. does. So according to Fox 10 Phoenix, DPS troopers... The fuck is that? I don't know. So DPS troopers say Daddio was heavily intoxicated when he was arrested and denied the incident occurred. Well, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't remember the whole thing, but I hope somebody got it on video and uh, you know, sent it to Daddio later for a good laugh. That's anyway, that's pretty fucking funny that's shit. A good, that's a good story right there, right? That's like, funny shit. I mean, that's traumatic. I wouldn't want to yeah. go home. Smelling, smelling like, like urine. Pissed, yeah. yeah, that's pretty fucked, but I'm sorry, that's just funny. Yeah, yeah I thought that was a good one. Uh, all right, well, I got one more story for us before we wrap here. And I don't know, this is about someone who's been in the music news recently, and there were a couple other stories about him too, which I excluded just because it's just like this guy's running his mouth. But. Uh, but I'll, I'll, but I'll include this one because, I mean, this is a little bit of him running his mouth a little bit. I don't know. Anyway, um, Liam Gallagher. You're aware of who Liam Gallagher is at this point? Yes. From the band? I'm sorry. I have a mental block. <laughs> I have a mental block. Every time you mention someone with the name... Gallagher, I think of watermelons. I, I think of the uh, Netflix TV oh. show Shameless. Okay. Because I am binge watching that shit, and uh, this family is just fucked up. So. Okay. We're talking about a band. There's a person in the band. His name's Liam Gallagher. Yes. And we've talked about this several times, and we no, have. I don't remember what band it is. <laughs> You're like, yes, you're going to carry on and not drill me, right? Yeah. yeah. If I wasn't watching the stupid series, I would know who, what band you know, yes. he's in. I'd make that association. But he, Formerly of the band Oasis. Of course. Of course. Of course, Oasis, yes. yes. Do you it's know all coming who back Oasis to me. Is? I do. Okay. Yeah. What's, what's an Oasis song? Wonderwall. There you go. Okay. Wonderwall. 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 Oh Wonderwall. <laughs> oh my god. You're my Wonderwall. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next. Moving on. <laughs> well, he's solo now, right? And he's apparently got an album coming out or something. But um, he's well known for his colorful comments about his fellow musicians. Uh, solo album. Um, as you were arriving. Uh, excuse me. As you were. It's arriving this fall. Uh, no one's uh, safe from his uh, incisive jabs. Um, and Not even carpool karaoke, which uh, is, is funny. Because uh, I think you have a carpool karaoke story. Yeah. Um, but uh, in an interview, new interview, Gallagher spoke freely about uh, Mick Jagger, Dave Grohl, and Bono. Uh, here's his comment on Jagger. Uh, backhanded compliment. Fair play to old dinosaur hips, but uh, I'm not that man. I'm anti-entertainment. Poor sod. He's got to dance until he's 108, he told British GQ. Uh, he uh, held a combination of resentment and admiration for Gro Dave Grohl, uh, who uh, famously played F uh, Foo Fighters shows with a broken leg. 
He ruined it for all of us, Liam said. He broke his leg and still toured. Who does that? Now, if I have a cold, I, I can't cancel it because I'll look like a wuss. Which is funny because in a recent story, he left uh, a show after playing four songs, right? Just wa- walked off the stage because his he said his voice wasn't good. Right. Yes. Um, and then... Uh, uh, Grohl even asked Gallagher to join the Foo Fighters at Glastonbury, an invitation that that, that he declined. Uh, he asked me to come on and do a song. I said no, because I needed a bit of rehearsal. I know it's cool and all that, but I need a rehearsal. So, <laughs> can't rehearse. This guy, like, I don't know. His, his brother has Noel Gallagher and the High Flying Birds, and I, they've been doing really well, but I don't know. I don't have a lot of high hopes for uh, for... Liam Gallagher and his solo career. Yeah. So, okay, remind me. Liam Gallagher is lead singer of Oasis or what? They were both sang- lead singer. I mean, they were both sang- lead singer? Okay. Yeah, they both sang. And, and they're brothers. And they feuded for years until the band broke up and um, and hasn't gotten back together. I don't know that they've even... I don't know if they still have talked at all or Right, whatnot. right. Yeah. So, yeah, just a little bit of Wonderwall here. Just to let you know, I know this song. And I've got to say, I remember when Oasis was brand new and their egos were like crazy high. You know, they got super popular uh, with songs like this. And the big turnoff for me was that one of those guys said, you know, um, they were likened to the Beatles or something. They made some comment about, yeah, you know, we are the Beatles. And I'm like... You gotta be fucking kidding me. Get the hell out of here, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You've got some awesome songs, but fuck off. Yeah. So I've kind of had a um, love-hate relationship with that band. Yeah. I got to see them once before they broke up. Oh, it no was, way. It was probably the tour right before they broke up. Uh-huh. You know, uh, probably. And I, I knew, I was like, this is probably going to be the only chance I'm going to get to see them live. <laughs> but they were one of my first favorite bands also. I mean, I remember seventh grade listening to that album, What's the Story of Morning Glory, mm-hmm. a lot. I had it as a cassette tape, and I'd listen to it over, over and over and flip it over onto the backside and everything. And uh, I listened to that a lot. So, mm. uh, so I, I really dug them early on. That's the only real album i ever liked of theirs that mm-hmm. i can remember mm-hmm. but uh um but yeah this guy's kind of a prick yeah that's what it sounds like got a serious ego problem or something yeah 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 so do you have one more story for us uh, yeah got one more james corden addresses the lincoln park carpool karaoke segment all right this is the deal when chester Bennington suddenly passed away last month. Fans wondered whether he recently filmed Lincoln Park installment of Carpool Karaoke would ever air. So they're wondering if it would ever air, right? Yep. Uh, Given the situation that occurred. So in the new interview, late show host James Corden provided some clarity. Whatever happens with the footage will be a joint decision between the producers and Bennington's loved ones. And Corden intends to respect the Bennington family's wishes. Good for him. Okay, so Corden says this. We will approach it in whichever manner his family or the people that were involved in the episode, however they would like to be handled. We will navigate it as delicately as possible and just adhere to whatever wishes they would want because I don't think there's any other way we could really deal with it. It's completely up to them, and that's a conversation 
um, we haven't even thought about having right now. It's really just a tragedy. Uh, Bennington's widow, Talinda, tweeted a link to the story with a simple thank you message. Interesting. So, yeah. So yeah. that's one of those things you really got to be, you know, sensitive about. It's just a touchy thing. It'll come yeah. out. I mean, because people are going to get a, you know, get past it, and there will be a time, and it'll get millions of views. So of course, it's about content, right? Mm. I mean, and and that's one of those things. I mean, it'll be very highly rated, right? Mm. So of course, it's going to come out. It's not anything controversial. James Corden is like vanilla. He's like uh, Jimmy Fallon, right? Mm. I mean, uh, yeah. So you're, you know, he's not. There's nothing offensive at all in anything. That he really does mm. so um so of course it'll come out and it probably won't be that long i mean it'll be while the hype is really high as well but just enough far enough past where it'll be safe where it's not intringing and kind of looking like they're you know just going out for the hits right you know what i'm saying so yeah yeah it sounds it's just a matter of timing it sounds like yeah. you know right now is not the best time to release it let's give it some time people yeah. need to process everything that's been going on you know, there'll be a time and place for it. It'll be there. So, because people aren't going to forget about Lincoln Park or, you know, they're, right. they're just, it's, it'll come out very soon. Yeah. I give it in the next five or six weeks tops, probably. That's my, that's my prediction. So, stay tuned. We might uh, have a follow up story. You ever watched that uh, Carpool Karaoke? Um, I've seen one or two episodes. It was a while back, though. I watched one today actually. I, I didn't I don't watch it a lot, but um but they're moving it to um I mean well it's, I think it's still gonna be part of his show, but they're also doing a separate carpool karaoke show that's going to be on like Apple Music mm-hmm. that sort of thing. And the first guest is Will Smith. Mm. And they, it starts out with them doing uh getting jiggy with it. Um, getting jiggied with yeah, it? Getting jiggy with it. Will Will Smith's song, yeah. Oh, that's a song. Oh God damn it! You're gonna I'm not a Will Smith you know, fan. You know nothing about music. I know you're doing this podcast. For I loved Will Smith and iRobot, and that's oh. about it. Okay. Well, he has a music career. As he well. does. He had no clue. Mostly, mostly used to have a music career, and he had a song called "Getting Jiggy with It." And oh, what does that even mean? Getting down with your bad self. It's getting uh, jiggy with it means like, getting down with your bad getting, self. Getting laid or something, right? Oh, okay. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm gonna go getting jiggy, jiggy with my wife tonight. Yeah. That's like I'm gonna go like, you know. Yeah. Get the moves on. Yeah. Put on some smooth you, jazz. You, 1997. You've never heard getting jiggy with it? Really? No. Really? What's Smith, Come on. This was in 1987. 1997. 1997. Yeah, no, I, I missed this somehow. But I, I can get into it. Yeah. I'm digging it. I'm getting down. Gotta get jiggy with it. I'm gonna play this for my wife tonight and see what happens. Maybe the sparks are gonna fly. Will Smith, man, set the mood for me. Let's give. Is that the highlight of the song? (laughs) 
Is that like a bunch of kids singing? <laughs> Getting jiggy with it? Something like that. I don't know. It, but I don't know you, how you miss this part of... You, you have such a disconnect with pop culture that... Sometimes... I, hey, I went to Gaga, dude. I am all... I know all about pop you're, culture. Oh, you're all about pop musicians, not pop culture. Like, there's, a, there's, there's a difference? Yes, there's a difference. <laughs> and... Uh, Yes, not knowing getting jiggy with it is, prob- is a problem. So, <laughs> all right. Well, I my vocabulary has been expanded, and I can't wait to go out into the world and utilize it. I'm, I'm glad you're learning from this podcast. I am. Although, really, you don't because th- three weeks in, you still haven't learned who Liam Gallagher is, and he's part of Oasis. You know that now. Now I will not forget. We'll check next week. <laughs> Just like I won't forget how people can get in touch with us here at Concert Pipeline, which is. We haven't gone over that yet. No, not we. We sprinkled a little in, but let's let's hit them one more time. Social media is the place to go to find us here at Concert Pipeline. So, Facebook Concert Pipeline Pod. How about YouTube Concert Pipeline? Okay. How about Instagram Concert Pipeline? Twitter at Concert Pipeline. Every now and then we will broadcast via. Uh, Periscope, which yeah. we just did recently. We some did. of us don't remember having <laughs> actually done <laughs> but it, that, but we do have some content on Periscope. But it was there, and uh, Huey Lewis in the news. You can check out a, a song from their set at the uh, at Lincoln uh, Thunder yeah, Valley Casino. See, yeah. Give him another week; you won't even remember he was there. Won't even remember it. But <laughs> uh, but yeah. Let's talk about what we have next week on the podcast for Concert Pipeline, and that is uh, a little more classic rock. We're going to keep bringing it, right? Uh, We're going to have Martin Barr on the program. And if you don't know who Mm. Martin Barr is, um, he was in Jethro Tull. Wow. Yeah. uh, He recorded and toured with them from their second album, 1969, to the band's disillusion in in 2014. Um, Does he play the flute? Uh, he, uh, he, let's, he plays the guitar, the bazooki, the mandolin, the flute, and the saxophone. I'm a huge fan of the bazooki. You are? Oh, yeah. Okay. Me and the bazooki <laughs> and Will Smith, man, we go way back. Na, 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 na. <laughs> no. Uh, yeah, so he was in Jethro Tull for a long time. Um, and he initiated his solo career as well in the 90s. And so he's going to be playing solo uh, coming through the Bay Area. He's going to be playing at Yoshi's uh, in Oakland on September 1st, the Mystic Theater in Petaluma on September 2nd, and then um, a couple of other shows in, uh, around around the Bay Area, which uh, September 3rd, he's playing Mose Alley in Santa Cruz and Harlow's Nightclub in, uh, Nightclub in Sacramento on September 8th as well. So he'll, uh, a handful of opportunities to see him. And he's a whiz on the guitar. He's really cool. Um, and you can... Uh, I think his new album is out or it's going to be coming out really soon as well. So uh, definitely check that out. Um, If you get a chance, we'll have him on next time on Concert Pipeline, talk about his career uh, and and more. So we're going to play you out with one more song from Huey Lewis and the News. Uh, This is a song called Remind Me Why I Love You Again. 
Uh, and thank you for tuning in for the past several years. Episode 150, a blast. A lot of great artists on the uh, the program. Again, thank you to Foreigner, uh, to Greg Kinn, uh, Huey Lewis in the News, all of them for, uh, for being a part of this program. And uh, for all of us here at Concert Pipeline, that is Jan Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. We will catch you next time. Thank you.